Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of That Sounds Fun. I'm your host, Annie F. Downs. Our Christmas party continues. Hey, the music in the background is from our good buddy, Mr. Phil Wickham. If you did not get to hear him on the show back up to Friday's episode, the first day of the Christmas party, make sure you check that out and make sure you grab a copy of his album, Christmas. Hey, as our Christmas party continues for 12 solid days, we get to pass by two different Sundays. And each Sunday, I thought it'd be fun to have a pastor on with us. So today we have Pastor Alex Seeley. Her new book, The Opposite Life, just released. It's a great one to add to the list of books you are given this year for Christmas. She's been on the show before, episode number 73. So you can check that one out. But today we're going to talk a little bit about the best and the hardest parts of the holiday season. I think you're really going to love it. So here is Pastor Alex Seeley. Or you can just text while you're answering questions if you can do it. Never bothers me. I don't have the brain. I can't have both going. No. Um, I've just got to monitor my husband's text. That's the only ones. Ah, oh, yeah. How, just in case. How do you, do you have a different, or is if you no. see him, you read it? Yes. So there's not like a different ringtone no. or a different thing? No, it's just that if I see Henry, he he's needing something. It's not uh, like he's just, hi, how you going? You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's offer. Okay, tell the story you're just telling me about how your husband, everyone else gets flowers. Yeah, uh, not yeah. you. I Instagram the other day. I came home from a trip and I go upstairs to my desk and sitting on my desk is a full like podcast mic pop filter. Yeah. Like whatever the other thing is called to s- go around it, stand, headphones, and I'm like Wow, most women come home to surprise flowers. <laughs> I come home to a surprise podcast wig, and then I Instagram it, and everyone thinks I'm starting a podcast. Right? No, not. no. Just for the record, everybody, Alex doesn't need another thing on her agenda. Right? Because <laughs> so, what do you need it for? Just because people well, when buzz I'm, you in, yeah. So yeah. They, they'll call me, and I'll be on people's podcasts, but yeah. like interstate, overseas, and they'll say, "Set it up at this time," blah blah blah, and I'll be at home, kind of hack working yes. it and so he's like this just can't be done do you know there husband, are there are some podcasts who maybe you've been on these where they mail you the headset they want oh, you to I wear i just had that just yeah. had that it's fascinating and right? it didn't work yeah it doesn't so, always work and, and, and i'm like my husband's a recording engineer yeah i think we got this yeah it's one of my there's a couple of people <laughs> jefferson bethke's one of them where he goes i'll just record on my side too and i'm like beautiful beautiful <laughs> yeah. if you if we can both record this thing there's a better chance totally. of it actually not blowing up totally. um what do you think when you're thinking about podcasts what's their purpose purpose now? Why are they now and not 10 years ago? What's what's the thing God's doing that's different? I have no... We were just talking about this the other day. Henry and I were in the car and he just goes, isn't it fascinating that podcasts are such a huge deal? Yeah. I think maybe because TV videos... You know, you'd have to put the DVD in. You would, you would have to watch something. Now I just think people love to listen and learn on the go. So I just think information that sounds personal, like mm-hmm. you're in somebody's conversation, mm-hmm. is so much more what this generation, I think, needs more Why? than just – well, because I think they're like this on their device. Yeah. I'm now looking at my device. Yeah. Uh, on their device. And so th- listening to somebody, it feels like we're connected on some mm-hmm. level. Mm-hmm. I don't know the actual reason. I don't. Yeah. We were just talking about it. We were fascinated ourselves because I said, I don't know if I could do a podcast because it's just a lot more another thing because obviously yeah. we're running yeah. a church. Yeah. But I, I, we just couldn't believe too why they've blown up so much over yes. the last five years, yeah. do you reckon? But as a listener as well. When the podcast I listen to, I feel like I know those people. Yes. Well, because you're in their conversation rather yes. than a textbook or a scripted video that would right. be like the how-tos. It just feels authentic and transparent. Right. So right. I think that's why people I think that helps. Um, do you want a water, by the way? No, I'm okay. good. If you do, we have them here in our cabinet. Oh, we have a fancy little I'm cabinet very with water. impressed with this whole set up. Man, uh, the Lord Annie. just made a way. I mean, you the last show we recorded, you know, you sat across I, me at my own yeah. desk. <laughs> <laughs> in a corner of Crosspoint, yeah. which is so generous of them to let me office yes. there for when I did. But having having a room that is dedicated Unbelievable. to this, to yeah. being able to do this has just made a difference. The best. Yeah, it's been it's been awesome. Um, okay, so you are a part of our 12 Days of Christmas shows. 
Welcome to Christmas. And both Sundays of our 12 Days of Christmas, we want to be really intentional to have a pastor on. So you are this week. Next Sunday is uh, Kevin Queen. So Nashville's finest between the two of you. Tell me what is the different... We have so many pastors that listen. Tell me what's the difference of Christmas time for people working at a church than everybody else. Well, for us, we do things a little bit different Uh at The Belonging. We don't make Christmas this massive thing like we don't do Easter, like Uh a massive thing. So really for us, it's just a really beautiful celebratory time of doing Christmas carols and worship on Christmas Eve. Uh Um, with the beautiful Christmas message. So no one's frantic at our office. It's not a big planning. It's not a Christmas spectacular like Uh a lot of churches do. So we go into it with full joy because we actually shut down over the Christmas break. Yeah. Yeah. So we, as of Christmas Day, and then we come back like on the 2nd of January, Mm -hmm. we shut the whole thing down. Church and office. And yeah. so for us, it's a real time of reflection for family and being with family. We celebrate Christmas Eve. We celebrate that Sunday before, but Christmas Eve happens to be on a Tuesday night. So we're doing two back-to-back services, but it's just going to be a candlelit carol yeah. service. We may have a petting zoo. Oh my God. We may. <laughs> I love a petting zoo That's, at Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably so the, the biggest thing we've ever like ventured for. No, so I love for it. us, it's a really relaxed time. So y'all will do Sundays and Tuesday and then you'll take that whole next yeah. week off. Yeah. Okay. And it just feels, it just takes away the pressure a little bit. Yeah. Well, we're a mobile church, so we're a pack-in. Not for much longer, Not right? Not for much longer. Yeah. Hopefully May. I okay. think it's the predicted time. Um, so, you know, we're a mobile church, but also uh, so many of our people are from out of state. So a lot of people go home yeah. to their hometowns. It's a Nashville problem, yeah, right? it's yeah. a Nashville problem. And so, of course, there are people still at home. Mm-hmm. So we want to cater for them. But I've always been the, of the thought, I love to celebrate Christmas like no one else. Mm-hmm. I love to celebrate Easter like no one else. But I celebrate the resurrection and understanding of the birth of Christ every single Sunday. So yeah. for me, I have a different mindset on it. Um, if you're not going to bring your church friends to church during the year, then let's not just be uh, Easter Christmas Christians. Sure. What about, <laughs> what's how's it different than Christmas in Australia? Because isn't it hot? Yes, it's summer. So your whole upbringing, Christmas was a summer holiday? Yes, it was our end of year school break. We were Oh my off. gosh. So we, we start the school year like first week of, uh, sorry, last week of January, first week of February, and then we finish first week of December, like December 2nd. Ah, And then you have all of December and all of January off. And so it's our summertime, it's our Christmas time, it's our New Year's Eve party time out on the beach, it's our Australia Day, like your 4th of July, it's our Australia Day in January. So it's all the things you do in July that we do in December, January, but we add Christmas to it, which is weird because I used to have stockings on my fireplace in the summer. Doesn't quite make sense. So now Christmas makes complete sense to me in Nashville. Yeah. Because I would imagine all the like Hallmark Christmas movies and all the things you see, all the marketing around Christmas. It's all in the It's all winter. Yeah. So is there different movies and different marketing for Christmas in Australia? No, because Australia basically took their cues from America. Everything we watch is American. So there's no Christmas movie in the beach. I know. I feel like like we need to call Hallmark and be like, we need you to do next year, we need you to do two Australian Christmases. And it'll be all summertime and none of the snow and none of the, because I would imagine the like, romantic, like the snowy, cuddly. No, that's no, just not, not your story. No, not so like I mean, we're, we're going eating, to the beach. We're eating lobster <gasps> really? as well as turkey. Yeah. Like, you know, so it's crazy. So for your kids who were born in Australia but have lived in America longer than they lived in Australia at this point? Uh, no? Taylor, definitely. Yeah. Uh, let's see, Holly. She'll be, at 18, she'll be, okay. it'll be more. But for Taylor, yes, Holly. And they don't really remember. They were eight and four when we yeah. moved here. So Christmas was just the tree and the presents. They didn't really care about the weather. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, did you bring any Australian Christmas traditions 
that that change that are different than American. No, no. totally. Yeah, we've we've made all new traditions, yeah. and I love Christmas in yeah. the winter. Oh. It's like the best thing in the world. Yes. Yeah. I have a question about Holly. If you, mm-hmm. in, if, as you know me, you can always go, we're not going to talk about this. <laughs> but we, our mutual friend, Carlos and Heather Whitaker, their oldest child, Sohela, is in the hospital. Yes. And Holly is one of her dearest friends. Yeah. Talk to me about parenting a child through trauma in a friend's life. Yeah. I had a similar thing happen. I, yeah. When I was 16, three of my friends died in a car wreck at one time and three others were um, injured. And one of them was very, my closest friend was very brain damaged. Wow! And I remember moments of my parents parenting me through that. How do you, how do you do that? How do you parent your children through watching trauma in one of their friends' lives? Yeah. Well, the good thing is, it was funny because yesterday we were having a big, because everyone kind of thought, oh, she's coming out. Mm -hmm. And again, it was like, no, let's not put these expectations so we get disappointed and so again I think it's just every moment I've been like how are you Mm -hmm. how are you feeling about this let's pray together um let's go see her Mm -hmm. what do you want to do for her let's but but not focusing on the negative but always taking her to the position of we we believe we keep fighting until we see the result yeah but regardless of the outcome God is still good and watching Holly full of faith watching her being have you you know how are you? Yep. So Heather and I are texting. She's doing yeah. good. But she's had a busy week this week. She's been in yeah. a production at school. And yeah. so she's like, Mum, I've got to go back. And I've said, absolutely, we'll go tomorrow. And so yeah. I think it's really just the way I would parent through any – because, we, you know, being a pastor of a church, this happens to our church family a lot. There's someone oh, sure. in the someone hospital. Up close. But, you know, sick. this is her friend. Yeah. And, um, and so for that, she's pretty good in high spirits in the sense mm-hmm. of full of faith. And she's the upbeat one, you know, she's going to come in, you know, hugging and loving. She hates hospitals, however. So oh, this wow. is how much she loves Sohela because yeah. <laughs> she's like, mom, I nearly passed out a couple of yeah. times. She's just like her father. So she doesn't <laughs> like hospitals. So we don't tend to go in there a lot. So she's kept the communication high through, you know, obviously texting and FaceTiming and doing all those things, but really just parenting her the way I would parent through any sickness in, in the family or death. We ha- we've had two deaths recently oh, sorry. Um, and, and she was having to navigate a death because of it was her friends being affected by a friend they loved who was young, who yeah. just passed. Yeah. And so we had to navigate through that as yeah. well because that was Because she's old enough. She's not 11. No, she's, she's old enough that 16. She's, she's experiencing this whether you're involved or not. 100%. And so yeah. parenting a teenager yeah. when someone in their life goes through trauma, yeah. I just think it's got to be a, a new thing in some yeah. ways because yeah. she's a, almost a grown-up. Yeah, and she's very mature and she's yeah. got a really good understanding of it all. And so it doesn't... She she will feel it, but she won't be burdened by it. And I've really yeah. taught my kids never to take the burden. It's not yours to take. It's God's. That's mm-hmm. why we cast our cares and we throw it all over to him and we go, you're the boss. You're the one who fixes. My job's to pray mm-hmm. and keep believing with mm-hmm. faith and not confess negative, but always confess that which is the word yeah. and um, whatever the result though, because sometimes our prayers get answered in different ways. Right. And, um, you know, my dad, when, when she went through a lot of trauma when my dad died, and she was very little, but she felt it right through to when she was about 10. We would talk about my dad and she would still be processing. Why was grandpa taken from me, you know? So learning how to navigate trauma in with people that are close to us is, mm-hmm. is a real thing. And maybe the parents listening are like, Annie, we know how to do this. You don't have to ask Alex this. But I would wonder, how do you take the temperature of your kids when they're around trauma and when you know, okay, this is too much? You've been oh, to yeah. the hospital mm-hmm. too much. You have gone over to that family's house too much. How do you know the temperature of when you need to go, hey, this is affecting you? Yeah, you can tell. You, you, A parent knows their kid better than they know the back of their hand. You yes. know, they, so any shift of uh, behavior or words or just even that reservedness. I look for all of the things that they 
are not saying yeah. to determine whether it's too much. Yeah. And so I even remember, you know, when 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 there's drama, especially with teenagers, Ugh, they get yeah. right into the drama of it all. Right. This isn't drama, thank God, because the Whitakers are not dramatic people. Right. Um, but when there's that drama, I just know if this is overwhelming my daughter because it's all she's thinking about, she's crying, she's, you know, on the phone, I'm like, okay, <laughs> this is where we come and we just detach for a little bit and we learn to pray on the sidelines mm -hmm. and we learn to maybe send a text or, you know, uh, to, to make sure we're there when we need to be there, mm -hmm. but we don't need to be, you know, where it, it totally dismantles our lives because we've yeah. got to be the strong ones for them on a long-term basis rather than when everybody's there 24-7. It, it just exhausts the whole gamut of people that are involved. And I think you just have to learn the cues of what your children, you know, it's like Holly where she'll always be the counsellor friend. Yeah. And it's like, actually, that's too much for you to bear. I, yeah. I need you to stop counselling. Right. Like, act, you're not you're not equipped at this age to carry the burden of that. Now let's pass that over to someone who can, you know, mm -hmm. and just being sensitive to hear what they're saying, what they're not saying. Yeah. Just watching their little cues. Yeah. I know I didn't prep you for this at all, but I'm going to chase the rabbit as my brain mm -hmm. is going there. But I just would imagine there are families that this is the first Christmas that there's a divorce yeah. or the first Christmas there's a death or the first Christmas that they've moved to a new city and all their mm -hmm. traditions are gone. Will you just kind of speak to how do you parent through yeah. that first, like how do you take that kind of temperature yep. when the holidays are already, you know, yep. for me as a single woman, the holidays are emotional for all sorts yes. of other reasons. So for, yeah. as you're parenting, how do you take that yeah. kind of temperature during the holidays? Yeah, you, you, you need to acknowledge it. I think ignoring the elephant in the room is worse because you're almost pandering around this thing that you're trying not to talk about to bring the temperature down. But actually, I think what you have to do is visit it, acknowledge it, like this is our first Christmas without X, Y, Z. But actually, from today, we're going to acknowledge the past. We're going to learn from the past, but we're going to now build a new normal and today brings a new tradition and have something ready that puts a little building block so that it replaces because I believe in anything with regarding trauma inner healing loss that you've always got to replace the void with something otherwise ah. that little opening stays open sure. every time and then anytime there's anything like it, it triggers that negative emotion. So what you want to do is replace it with a new tradition, a new moment to counteract that negative memory. Okay. And therefore it doesn't erase it, of course, because sure. we don't get amnesia, but I think it builds a new, beautiful moment for you to hold on to mm. rather than, oh, that was when, or that was, you know, yeah. this feels yuck, or that chair's empty today, yeah. or my dad used to do this or my brother used to do this and, and they're not there. Well, we're going to create something new. Can you give a simple example, purely because I think there may be a mom listening who is just like, I'm too sad to come up with a new yeah. tradition and I'm yeah. this is too much for our family to carry as yeah. is. How am I supposed to decide we eat cake for breakfast? Yeah. So what's a, is there a little one that comes to mind that... Why don't you let the kids decide? Because mm. kids have that space. It may That's even, so you know, yep. it, if you don't have it, just put it back on them and say, what could we do mm -hmm. to bring a new little tradition into our home that's going to make it fun and full of joy? Yeah. You know, or even just popping on a movie where you feel like this bring, brought me joy as a kid. Mm -hmm. Having a memory of what Disney brought Plus. you joy. Yeah, Disney Plus. I know. We can watch right? everything we watched yeah. as kids. And let's put that on and yeah. let's make that a moment. Just pop on a movie where you don't even have to make a craft. I'm not saying yeah. be all Martha Stewart. You can just sit and actually gather together or play a particular new game or do something or eat a particular new food. Like for us, you know, having Christmas without our family was very lonely in the first Gosh, year. I and I had to make a really intentional decision that we would invite other people into our family that mm. are lonely. And so that's been our tradition for seven years. Cause but I, you were sad too. I like, was very sad. Yeah, I was like, just the kids. Oh, this is like, we are alone here in Nashville, Tennessee, 2012, yeah. and we don't know a lot of people. And so I made sure that around my dinner table that fit 10 people 
that every seat was filled with oh, wow. family members that didn't have their family members. Yeah. And so we create created this t- tradition like we can sit and pine of what we don't have or we can build a new tradition. Mm. And so we just put extra people around the table and I'm telling you, it brought joy yeah. and laughter and we weren't all just like moaning and, you know, pining for in five separate houses. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So we did that. That's something you've taught me so beautifully in real life is not that it doesn't matter what you feel. I hate when people say it doesn't matter what you feel. It totally matters what you feel. But even while you are feeling this, can you act in faith? Yes. Can you like make a step? Yep. So so can you kind of teach us for a second, what does it look like? I feel sad, but I'm going to. I feel disappointed, but I'm going to. How how do we make that step? Oh, it's, it's, it is hard but it's not impossible. Uh-huh. It's I. It's not that you can't. It's that you will or you won't. Mm-hmm. It's not I can or I can't. It's I will or I won't. And we have to put our emotions into submission to our spirit. That's really what we're doing. Yeah. So when you don't feel like it, this is why we, you know, we constantly say to our church, praise precedes miracles. But you don't always feel like praising. Mm-hmm. You're, you know, you've just had a loss and you want me to praise God. That's mm-hmm. where it's his joy. Yeah. It, it changes us. It's like his joy, not our joy. It's his joy. The joy of the Lord renews our strength, not the joy Mm -hmm. of our heart, the joy of our mind, the joy of our emotions. It's the joy of the Lord Mm -hmm. um, renews our strength. And so in that moment, you can have a fact, but the truth of God always trumps the facts that you're living in. Mm -hmm. And that's really what you're doing. You're taking a truth from the word of God and you're trumping the fact that you're feeling right now. And that's how you do it. And it's a discipline. It's not that you feel like it. It's not that you uh, have to even, oh, I I have to do this. No, it's a choice to say today in order to get myself out of this funk that I'm Uh feeling and sensing, I must replace that fact with the truth of God's word. Yeah. And so just have a few of those truths and say, you know what? I do feel sad. I do feel alone. I do feel broken. But Jesus is near to the brokenhearted. Mm-hmm. Oh, he binds up those hearts. He sets captives free. He never leaves or forsakes us. He's never let the righteous be forsaken. Oh my God, he sets my feet upon a rock. Oh, he gives me a new name. Oh, he takes my heart of stone and gives me a heart of flesh. Like you've got to look at the truth of God and go, I feel like this, but actually the truth says this and it will shift your heart and then your heart gets in line with your emotions. And I mean, I think that that... Uh, the the gift you're giving us in that is truth is stronger than facts, not fiction. Yes. You're not saying these aren't facts. You are sad. Yes. You this year is not how you thought this. It should not be going this way. That is still true. That is still a fact. Yeah. But there is the truth of God that is Always. bigger than Always. the facts of what you're living. Yeah. yeah. So what do you do when God? <laughs> this is <laughs> Merry Christmas. I love it. <laughs> I think this is I good know. because most Christmases we are all oh, joy, 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 but there's actually a lot of people that go through these things at Christmas because it's a real uh, assessing season. Yes. In that fact, yeah, Jeff Henderson was on and he said, take the last month of the year in order to start the next year well, take the last month of the year and reflect. Yeah. So you, we do that. Let's yeah. say we do that over the Christmas and, and this year was worse and not better. Mm. How do we, what's the first move for next year? And how do we trust God again? Mm. Well, this is the thing. I, I I always say, and I had to learn this the hard way, and I, it took me a few years, uh-huh. but I think we give God our own time period of January Girl, to December. You know that's me. <laughs> you know. You know all the story, 100%. And it, God doesn't work according to our calendar. Mm-hmm. He's not... Uh, the Gregorian calendar. It's been he's, a real challenge know, he, that he doesn't work on my calendar. He just, he just doesn't work according to January and December. Right. And he doesn't like love to tie the bow on December 31st. And here we go. We start new. And right. I I think we have to discard the notion that by December 31st, all the things that I wrote in my journal in January 1st had to have taken place. Right. And that's not how God works. Because you imagine Abraham after year 17, 
18. And that had not happened. Isaac had not come to pass. And God is still good because God knew exactly what he was doing. So how do we trust God? There's no choice to, to not trust God. We must trust God regardless of outcome, regardless of what we think should have happened. God is God. He is good all the time. And you can't afford not to trust mm. God. Mm. You just can't. That's right. Because what have you got then? Where, where else would I go? Exactly. Where else would I go? Thanks to our friends at Abel. You guys have heard me talking about them the last couple of Christmas party shows, but Abel is a lifestyle brand that is challenging the culture of the fashion industry by creating transformative opportunities for women. You may have heard Barrett and Jordan on an episode right before Thanksgiving. If you haven't, go back and listen to that one. It's one of my favorites. But they are from Able, And it was founded in 2010. We all actually worked there at the same time. But it is a means to bring employment to disadvantaged women and communities who historically have relied on charity. Able has since evolved into a full lifestyle brand. You guys know them for their beautiful leather bags, the handmade jewelry, denim, apparel, shoes. It's an amazing array of products and they're all handmade which I totally love. Currently something I cannot quit wearing are the Rojas Mule boots in snakeskin print. Oh my gracious. I am absolutely in love with them. So make sure you check those out when you go to their website livefashionable.com and for and between now and Christmas for the whole Christmas party there's a 25% off code that we have that sounds fun 25 gets you 25% off everything in the store so you guys get your Christmas shopping going get your Christmas shopping done get ready this code lasts until Christmas Eve that sounds fun 25 again at livefashionable.com His timing. I had a friend recently say to me, fast is not the kingdom of God. He can be fast. Sometimes God changes things on a dime. Mm-hmm. But but the actual kingdom of God is slow and seasonal. And there are times where he's fast. Yeah, it's a suddenly. The mm-hmm. suddenlies, are the, they seem fast. But you think about that. There's been years and years. And yeah. Jesus said he's coming back soon. And that was <laughs> <Right>. 2000. <laughs> if you need any more proof of how God's timing works, Jesus used soon, about 2000 years, at least. But then the oh, Bible so does good, say, Alex. that's so good. The Bible does say that a thousand days is like a day. Yeah. So technically he's only been two days. He's only, it's only been two days, which is faster than you can ship things across the country. So you're exactly right. You're exactly right. What would you say? I feel like you've answered this for us last time, but I love asking you this. Who should we be today? Who should we be Christmas 2019 if we knew God was going to answer our prayer tomorrow? What would it? What would faith look like today if we knew he was going to do it tomorrow? Oh my goodness. Faith would be so bold and faith would be so facing the impossible because mm. if we... I, I was just... Uh, talking about prayer the other day with someone. And I said, if we actually believed that prayer changed things, we would pray without ceasing. Mm. Because you would understand that just like if I came to you right now and said, Annie, I am short of $10. Do you have $10? You'd be like, of course, I have full faith that you're going to give me 10. Imagine if I sat here going, Oh, I really need ten dollars, but what about it? I, I don't think I'm going to ask Annie because then Annie she might she might judge me for not having ten dollars myself. And then, what about if she hasn't got the? What about if she just doesn't want to go? What about if she just blatantly says no? Mm. That's ridiculous, right? right? And we treat God like that. Mm. So imagine if today you had God sitting across from you at a table, and He's your good Father, and He said, "Ask me." whatever you want. Mm -hmm. And if you believe in your heart, I'll give it to you. Mm -hmm. If we had that faith, Mm -hmm. I think we would pray very different prayers. We would pray audacious prayers. Mm -hmm. And I hope that, again, just because he hasn't done it in the suddenly or the immediate doesn't mean it's not possible. Because if I look over the trajectory of my life, he's answered some impossible prayers, but they took 20 years. Mm. He's answered them. Yeah. I always think about that part of Joseph's story, not Jesus's dad, Joseph, but Joseph yeah. in the Old Testament. 
And when the cupbearer says, I'll remember you. Mm-hmm. And Joseph is still in jail for years yeah. after that. And the guy in the scripture literally says he forgot. He forgot him. He forgot him. And I just think about, man, Joseph, that first two weeks was probably like, I bet today. I bet yeah. today. I bet today. And then it's, and then I think what the scripture really says, and then he remembered. Yes. And then it's like, oh, the Lord has to be in charge when things go sideways like that. That's right. He has to be. And also, I think in that story, I've looked at it this way, that he was wanting man to vindicate him when God knew exactly what he was doing. And I think there was a little bit of Joseph that was wanting to be proven by somebody. Oh, that's interesting. And God was like, actually, Joseph, you're still not dead yet Mm -hmm. in your spirit, like Mm -hmm. your your flesh. Mm -hmm. I actually need you to be so dead that when I vindicate you, Mm. you're going to be so dead to your flesh that none of this position is ever going to taint you. And so right now, if a man were to get you out, a man would have to sustain your longevity. But when I do it, there is nothing that you've got nothing to lose. So you will go into that position fully present by God's doing and not by man thinking man can manipulate me. I can network out. And I think sometimes we want man to vindicate us or put in a good word for us when God goes, oh, you're still not ready yet because you're not waiting for me Mm -hmm. to do the miracle. And we've just got to sometimes let go and let God. Man, you've said that to me before about men of like going like, Annie, he's not going to get you out of this. That's right. And the reason the Lord's letting him walk off is because he's not going to get you out yeah. of this thing you want out of. Yeah. And I'm always like, Alex, don't text me that. Don't say <laughs> say that this is, say the Lord told you this is the one. Say the Lord told you to actually go buy a wedding dress. Alex, I love you. I love you. <laughs> but the truth is, what what we want, what most of my friends listening want who are in relationship with Jesus, what you and I want is I want what God has. Yes, the that's best. the win. The best. That's the win. And so even when you think about how Christmas feels and how how could it be the end of another year and we still don't have any babies or well, I'm still not married or I my job is the same and we thought it'd be different or yeah. we lost we had a tragic loss that we didn't predict. Yeah. How how is that God and then you go, okay. Yeah. He just is yeah. faithful. Yeah, you just got, I've always just got to go back to Job and realize. I don't ever go back to Job, yeah. so tell me more. I don't yeah, go there you, ever. You've got to go to Job <laughs> because you, you look at him and he was given everything and um, it was all taken away. And you've got all the lovely friends that come in and they're like giving him all the reasons. You know when someone's sick and they're like, well, maybe there's sin in your life. Mm. Maybe you don't have enough faith. And they're giving all the – sometimes we can't argue or reason our way out of a season. Yeah. It's actually this is the way it is. God is God and we are not. And I just love it when Job is lamenting to the Lord, like, I've been righteous and I've been good and, what, you know, I, I know that I'm, I'm not angry at you and I would never curse you, but but this is hard, God. And and God literally just turns and says, Job, where were you when I hung the, the moon? Where were you when I parted the waters yeah. from the earth? Where were you when I put everything cosmic into its position? Do you realize that I am God? I've got you and I've already got the outcome, but you're right stuck in the middle, but you need to trust me regardless. You said at the beginning, you give and you take away, blessed be the name of the Lord. And then when he has this epiphany with God and God shares his heart and it's almost like Job sits there in his like, like in his puddle of tears and realize, you know, my eyes, I'd, I'd heard of of God, but now my eyes have seen him. Mm. I've actually seen him for who he is. So regardless of what happens to me, he's still God. Mm. And the prize is I have him. Mm. And I think sometimes we just need to realize he's enough. Yes. He's enough. And yeah. I know that we all, yes, but I still want to be married and I still want these babies. And I, But actually when we get to that place and we go, I'm so full of joy and so full of gratitude that you're the gift you're the gift this Christmas. That's right. You're enough. Yeah. You're enough. And if everything was taken from me, I'm still full because you're enough. Yeah. And it was when he repented and and actually the other guys come and they repent to him too, that God restores everything. Yeah. And it's like this acknowledgement of God, tragedy sometimes brings us closer and that's okay. It is still truth and facts. Yep. It is. It, here are the facts. 
But the truth is, he is, and you know me really well, he's enough. He is. He's enough. He is. I, yeah, he's enough. I can, it's that thing we say a lot around here of, you have everything you want and you don't have everything you want. That's it. We have, I mean, what more could I want? And also there's some stuff that I want. Yes. And And that's okay. And God sees that. And Uh he's not going to deprive you of that. Right. And that's, that's the, the horrible thing about life is that some, because I have beautiful friends more than you, like I have about six friends. She means that, more in number, not more beautiful. Yes, more in number. That's what I meant. <laughs> I have beautiful friends, more beautiful yeah. than that, you. That did that not come out right? I knew, I knew what you yeah, meant. That's exactly. why I fixed you. Thank so you, that, thank you. So thank that people you. aren't like, oh. Yeah, no, but I've got num- a numerous lot of yes. beautiful friends who are in need of a husband. Mm-hmm. And I think they all need to be married. Mm-hmm. And I sometimes get angry. Yeah. at the fact that they're not married. Because I'm like, God, come on, you can change the heart. Like you can, but I go, oh my gosh, like why is it that some get married and then literally squander it and divorce? Mm-hmm. And there are some of my dearest friends who are so waiting on God and have done everything the right way. And these men have not been awakened to their beauty and their kindness and their gorgeous nature. And I'm like, God, it's not fair. And then I look at the world around and I go, it's not fair that we have a third world. There's, it's not fair that there's death and sickness. It's not fair. Like we could sit for days and look at what we don't have, but I think we have to turn around and go, all right, God, you're God. Yeah. You will make the suddenly appear mm-hmm. in your time and I'm just going to keep believing for it. And so I bless you with that. Thank you. I'll take that it. That suddenly is coming. Suddenly will be. And when it is sudden, we'll go. Wow, that was sudden. That that happens so fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that what happens at Christmas is I talked about this a couple of weeks ago at a, a college event where I said we're always being influenced emotionally, physically, and spiritually. And as much as I love Christmas movies, as much as I love the holidays, there is an emotional influence on us that everything should be fast yes. and should be perfect. Yeah. And so we are actually being so. So while I'm a pro, watch the Christmas movies you want to watch. Also. They are movies. They are fake. They are fake. And and they are emotionally influencing us to believe that natural world should look like that when God goes like, it takes it takes a season for something to grow. hundred percent. I mean, God, the Bible is not a Hallmark movie. Mm-hmm. It is not. It's actually more of a thriller, drama. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tragedy. <laughs> yeah. And a big gift at the end. Yeah. Yeah. We can't. We can't let the social climate dictate because then we will just be faced with disappointment on a regular basis. Yeah. I think that's what I had to learn. And I probably learned that three or four years ago and it changed my life a lot of going like, oh, I'm, God isn't changing. My expectations of him have been so off Mm -hmm. uh, because I wasn't, it wasn't the God of scripture I was looking for. It was the God of stories I made up or stories I heard or, yeah. and, And when you, when you change that, when you choose yeah. to believe that he is who he says he is, That's it right. just sets up sets everything up so different. That's right. Um, okay, so you had a new book come out this fall. You've yes. had a busy year, Alex. I have. As we get to the end of it, you go like, we did all that. Yes. The Lord, the Lord can sustain anybody. Yeah, I feel like two years have literally been really so heavy in. I hate the word busy because no. it's, it's an, I don't want it to be a negative connotation. It was very full. Yeah. yeah. Do you feel, do you get to rest at all now or no? No. No. Not yet. No. Not rest seasonally, but you get no. to rest weekly. Yeah. Sure. Your new book, The Opposite Life, came out in August. Mm-hmm. What's it been like having it out? I mean, your second book is so different than your first book, isn't it? It's completely different. Yeah. And in a way, I feel like it's been, I said this to a friend the other week, I feel like it's been a real non-event Really? So, yes. For me, I think because I've been so consumed with when you're a pastor of a church and you travel and you're a mother yeah. and you're a friend and you're, you know, you have got so much going on that I didn't have, I think, the luxury. And and it, I don't think it was it was smart releasing a book a month before our biggest conference sure. season. So I was very in the thick of focusing on that. And while the book came out and, you know, we did great things with it, I just feel personally like, oh, it just felt like it came and went. And where is the book now? You know, but I I love getting the testimonies. I was going to say, I've seen so many people talking about it. It's called The Opposite Life. I've seen so many people talking about it. So it didn't just come and go for the rest of us. I think it was for me. Yes. (laughs) Yes. 
than me. So why was this the right book after your first one? Why was this the right one to write? Well, I think this has been really the essence of what I've taught for the last five years at The Belonging. Um, And I think this, because it's funny, I've gone to preach some messages at church from the book and realized, oh, my church are living this. The the fruit of it now is in motion because this is what we've been taught. And the beauty Mm -hmm. of it is there's several testimonies from people in my church because of how they've applied this life. And um, so the beauty of this, this is just a real summary of what's been taking place. And I think it's why there's such a special mark on the belonging is because the believers and the congregant members that have really taken heart to this message are seeing the fruit in their own lives. And mm. so it's. I think it's very important for the, the, the church at large in where we live right now yeah. um, to really live kingdom-minded mm-hmm. in a very worldly-influenced uh, space that the yeah. church is living in. It's almost there's a bit of a grey blur and we're not living completely set apart uh, where the world's not really noticing who the Christian is and who isn't. Uh-huh. And so I think it's very important today for the non-Christian to be able to mark a Christian by the actions of their life, not just the words they speak. So as you're seeing, I mean, this is so interesting to me because you, um, you're seeing the same thing the rest of us of some new, very famous celebrities coming out as faith people. Yeah. How do we watch them live that opposite life? Do we automatically go, yeah, you said it, and so we believe you? No. Okay. I believe fruit speaks for itself. Okay. So I'm not making a judgment that it's not real. I'm not making a judgment that I'm not going to listen. I'm not going to get on the bandwagon. But I said this to someone the other day. I I love what God does. I will never be able to judge a person's heart. Sure. Ever. That's not our job. Right. That's God's job. But we are called to judge fruit. Mm -hmm. And so I want to look at the fruit of someone's life before I sit there and become, you know, the biggest advocate and the big, you know, let's just spread this across the airways. And also I want to know somebody. I want to be able to have that intimate relationship before I can really validate or express what is going on. But fruit speaks for itself. So someone actually wrote recently, uh, I'm, I'm not getting on this bandwagon because Christians have a tendency to get very embarrassed when it fall they fall off mm. it. And, and I think that's what the beauty of time reveals a lot. It reveals fruit. So I'm going to say, sit on the sidelines and go, actually, this is wonderful news. This is fantastic. But I'm not going to go blurt this all over the internet. Well, that's the problem, right, is that social media, yes. uh, a... a you know, famous movie star that will make up one. A famous movie yeah. star has decided, named Katie, yes. has decided to go super public that she just became a Christian. Yeah. Social media immediately wants Alex Seeley and Annie F. Downs to make a statement. Yes. We aren't allowed to sit back and watch. We're yeah. supposed to immediately have a statement. Or if Katie is a famous Christian and has a massive imploding Alex Seely and Annie Downs need to immediately have a statement about that too. Yeah, and that's that's not how I roll, and Me I don't think it's either. how the church needs to roll because, number one, I don't know Katie personally. Right. Number two, it's not our job to be the opinion police. Like this is where I think everything's got skewed because we've – and say Katie is a new, fresh believer and has had this – encounter, the Bible actually speaks about not putting somebody in platform or in a leadership position until they've been tried and tested. Mm. So why is it that because somebody has a famous following that we treat them differently to any other new Christian that has just made it in the Mm. faith? Mm -hmm. So how I'm going to treat it is like how I treat every person that comes into our midst. And we have for lack of better word, which I don't like to use, but, you know, those famous Christians mm-hmm. or, you know, people who have a platform, I don't treat them any differently to the person who's just come off the street that mm-hmm. is the plumber or mm-hmm. the teacher or the social worker. I'm going to treat them very the same. Yeah. <laughs> My English today. <laughs> uh, I'm going to treat them the same because I'm going to watch their fruit evolve. Mm-hmm. And so what I feel is why do we need a famous person to validate Jesus 
being great, right? He's already great. Right. We don't need a famous person to validate that Jesus is great. I already knew he was great. I'm just so glad. I want the world saved. Mm -hmm. I want everybody saved. But I just think we've got to be careful sometimes that we're treating, again, certain people with platforms like they have to be the messenger when Jesus was very opposite. Mm -hmm. He was the son of the living God, yet he made himself of no reputation. Mm -hmm. And he went and died a very cruel death. And the way he won the world is by obscurity and by hiddenness, really. He wasn't the guy. He had followers. Is that the opposite life? It is. It's the opposite life. He had a lot of followers, but guess what? They all left him. Right. They all left him. And he even said to his 12 disciples, are you going to leave me too? And they came and they went. And so Jesus, if you look at it, he was never enamored with the praises of man. And he never, the Bible says that he never entrusted his heart to men Mm. because he knew what was in their heart and he knew how fickle they were. So he was the slow and steady that won the race. He was the one that fixed his eyes on the prize, which was us. And he just got about his father's business doing the work of God and people hated him and people loved him. But at the end of the day, his mission was to die. His mission was to surrender his life. His mission was to love his enemy and his fruit is still speaking of himself. And so right now, I'm going to just celebrate everybody that comes to Jesus, but I'm not going to get on this bandwagon. And again, we're watching the church be divided with who is for and who is against. We've missed the point. Let's Mm. celebrate. And let's just look at the fruit like we would look at everybody else's fruit. And let's be mindful to protect and love and not judge and curse and bring down, Mm -hmm. Um, but just let fruit speak for itself. I was saying to a friend the other day in the in the scripture where it says there'll be, at the end times there will be wars and rumors of wars. I said to him, I was like, I, I I thought it would be countries. It feels like it's happening in the church yes. and it's happening between men and women. Yes. Like it feels like there's all these other places that yes. you go like, wait, I don't want to be at war with other Christians. I don't yes. want men and women to not be on the same team. Yes. It just it feels like such a different thing. And so Katie, famous Katie, yep. getting saved, it feels like there are days where those things that should have our whole faith family thrilled, but cautious and watching and helping yes. Yes. We, separates we need to be, us. Yes. And I think we it's need insane. to be thrilled. And I think we yeah. need to be celebratory, but not in a way that shoves the people that are actually just waiting to see fruit, mm-hmm. treating them like the villain. Because yes. that's what I feel like is happening because I'm going hallelujah. Mm-hmm. Like I'm like, and, and the Bible is so great where, where Paul was in prison and he, these disciples were coming to him and saying, hey, there are people using the name of Jesus and they're using it for their own notoriety and right. wealth and fame. And and Paul just turns around and goes, hey, as long as the gospel's being preached, what does it matter? I mean, can and- you imagine a scripture from 2,000 years <laughs> yes. ago is so what we need to put yes. across the news today? Yes. And he's who saying- cares if he's saying if yes. Katie's saying Jesus' name, who cares? Yes, yeah. and that's good. Let's celebrate. Right. Guess what? The gospel, we've got pastors on platforms that have fallen in the eyes of God, but churches are still growing. Why? Because God has compassion on the people, mm. and the word of God never returns a void. So let's celebrate that somebody is having a revelation that Jesus is alive mm-hmm. and well, mm-hmm. but let's not now make it a divide with the other Christians who are seeing this as a scam and let's say, actually, I don't know. Unless I've had a conversation with Katie, Mm -hmm. I ain't going to be making a judgment. (laughs) I'm not. It's not my place. I am going to celebrate those who've come to the faith. Mm -hmm. But I'm not going to now be like picket fence person (laughs) until I've had the conversation or until I've just seen that that fruitfulness because Mm -hmm. life We've really just got to be discerning. You know, I just spoke about that at church recently about discernment and and us as Christians right now, we have to learn and get the gift of discernment because uh, Charles Spurgeon says it like this, discernment isn't necessarily just about what's right and wrong. It's about what's right and almost right. Oh, that's scary. Right. And that's where we need the gift of discernment to see because there will be false prophets The Bible talks about it, that in the last days, even the elect will be deceived. Mm -hmm. So how do we know 
that they're following the ways of God, fruit. God said for us to be fruit inspectors. And how will the world know that we're his disciples, that we love one another? So watch a person's mouth, watch a person's Mm -hmm. actions, Mm -hmm. watch how they respond and we'll know who a true disciple is. Because when a true disciple responds in anger, angst, hate, they're not they're not God's disciples. I don't care yeah. who you are. Yeah. And you could have the biggest church on the planet, but if you do not have love in your tone mm-hmm. and you do not love your enemy or love those that are around you, then I have to question mm-hmm. what discipleship <laughs> program you're yeah, following. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you are going to love that. I don't know if I've ever told you this, but I was like eight or nine when Left Behind the book came out. Oh. I was 10 maybe. And I remember reading it and then going to my mom and being like, am I going to be the Antichrist? Because it says the Antichrist doesn't even know. And I was like, mom, I remember being so afraid that I was going to be the one who brought down good Christian believers. And my mom was like, I need you to eat your breakfast and shut up. You know, like, but I remember just being so, and and it's that same uh, not to toot little nine-year-old Annie's horn, but it is that same thing I see in my friends now who go, oh, I, I hope this behavior doesn't deceive people. You're like, if you're asking that question, exactly. I promise your behavior is not Absolutely. deceiving people. It's the ones who aren't asking the questions. Yes. And if it's you think, oh, was that mean? Was that too? Was I unkind? Yeah. If no. you're asking it, you're on the right it's side. It's like people who always say, am I going to do the unforgivable sin of blaspheming the Holy Spirit? The right. fact that you are asking the question right. says you're not <laughs> going to be plenty. blaspheming the Holy Spirit anytime <laughs> soon. That's right. Okay, so you said get the gift of discernment. How do we do that? Oh, you have to say tethered to the Lord. Ask for the spiritual gifts. Okay. You know, that's one of the spiritual gifts yeah. is the uh, discerning of spirits, understanding spirits. Like, mm-hmm. And so it's, it's a gift that I think be planted in the body of Christ because you'll learn. Yeah. Be around those that are discerning to know and learn. And there's actually a really good book by James W. Gall okay. um, called The Discerner. Okay. And I tell you, it will teach you how to discover that spiritual gift. Mm-hmm. Again, knowing the word of God as the truth, it says the truth, if, you, if we know the truth, the truth will set us free, right? So the truth is God, is Jesus's word. And so knowing the truth, we'll be able to discern the counterfeit when it comes. But the problem we're having now is that this generation is Bible illiterate. Mm. We are word illiterate. So some philosopher will come through with a truth, a truth, and it sounds so intellectual and it sounds so good and it pleases the flesh. And so we're like, oh yeah, that's the truth. But we've not lined it up with the truth of God's word. And that's how we learn. That's how we grow in our discernment. And it's how we grow. And we need to be full of the Holy Spirit spirit. You cannot have discernment without the gift of the spirit. So Mm -hmm. the spirit comes by being full of Holy Spirit. And so we need to be full of Holy Spirit. We need to be full of the truth of God's word. And we, and ask, ask Mm -hmm. God, I would love to grow in the gift of discernment. Mm -hmm. And you know, around here, oh, that sounds fun, friends. No longer say the Holy Spirit. We all say Holy Spirit because of you, Alex Seeley. You (laughs) fixed us once. We believed you. People say it to me so much out on the road or when they email, they'll say the Holy Spirit. I'm like, thank you, Alex. He's a person. That's right. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I just think that in, in all of us have friends that we know are discerning, that we go like, why did they say we should leave this restaurant? Or why did yeah. why have they stopped being friends with that person? Yeah. And their answer is usually, ah, I just feel off about it. Yeah. And nine times out of ten, they're right. Get yep. closer to that person. Absolutely. And and ask them how they got there. Yeah. Because I think we have to learn to trust our gut. Yes. If our gut is in alignment with if if you're spending time with God and in the Word, it's why we had the girls from She Reached Truth come yes. on and go like, okay, for Advent, let's read the Bible together every day. Yes. Because when that's aligned, you can trust your gut. You can't just Absolutely. trust your gut in the world. No, you can't. But you can when you're aligned yes. with the Holy Spirit. Yeah, with yeah. The Holy Spirit. Intuition becomes discernment when put together with the Word. Oh, so everyone has it. intuition, but then it becomes aligned with dis- its discernment when mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit and the Word of God yeah. is put. Intuition is normal life. Yes. Discernment is the opposite yes. life. Yes, it's that yeah. spirit life. Yeah, yeah. girl. Alex, you're so good. Um, okay, so people go in order. Luckily, this this is uh, early in our 12 days of Christmas. So they're going to go order this today for themselves, and they're going to get one more for a gift. And who is it that they should put the opposite life in a stocking for this year? 
Those that are wanting a blessed life, those that keep hitting a brick wall, but they're doing the same thing they've always been doing and realizing this isn't getting a result. Mm. I tell you this, I've given you 20 principles over my life that have given me a blessed life. And I'm not talking about prosperity materialistically. I'm talking about peace that surpasses all understanding. I'm talking about favor. I'm talking about being in the will of God and watching God move situations Mm -hmm. where I've not had to put in the effort. I've done what God's required me to do, and I've watched God turn Mm -hmm. my life around and be very blessed. And I sit here as a mother, a wife, and a pastor, very, very blessed, not void of problems, but very, very blessed because of these principles that are put in place. So those that are really struggling and going, I need a shift. I need to change some things. This is going to be the best book for them. Yeah. And the thing that I love, and I'm sure you did this intentionally, is the cover a, a woman will love it and a dude will hold yes, it too. Yes, that's because you, do that. you teach really beautifully to men and to women. Yeah. And so for any of us who are looking for gifts for yeah. uh, college students yep. or or our parents, yep. and we want to put some good books in hands, I think yeah. Opposite Life is good for men or women. Absolutely. Okay, tell me one of y'all's favorite like Christmas. What's like a Christmas tradition that the Sealies do? Well, what are you we, looking forward to? We just I'm looking forward to putting up our tree. Okay. Now normally we do it the day after Thanksgiving. Okay. But it's our so kids late. want to do it tomorrow. Yes. So we Mine's are doing oh I I'm doing it tomorrow. Yeah. So we love to put on um beautiful like nineteen forties, you know, yeah. Christmas music. And then um, we buy peppermint bark from Williams Sonoma. It's yeah. the only peppermint bark I will. I've eat. never had it. Do we have a Williams Sonoma here? We yes. Is it Annie, in the mall? Cool Springs and Green Hills. Oh, okay. Where have I'll you go been? to. I'm going after this conversation. Oh my gosh, you must get okay. Williams Sonoma. Everybody, peppermint bark. They okay. only make it seasonally. I do you buy. Stock, as I say, do you stock up? And it costs so. It's so expensive, but okay. I don't care. Okay. It's our. It's our. One tradition yeah. that we buy the really big tin. Okay. Uh, it's like about $50, $60, okay. but I don't care. It's the best <laughs> in the whole world. But you're like, Annie, can I borrow $10? Yes. Because <laughs> <laughs> yes. they raise the this price on the bar. Um, but yeah, so I'm doing that. Yeah. We do that. And then we dress the tree and we just love being together as a family to do that. It's yeah. one of my favorite tra- traditions. And then obviously Christmas morning is everyone gets up super early. We yeah. get around the tree. We make hot chocolates and coffee and eat peppermint bark for yes. breakfast. Oh, see. And open our presents. So I'm looking forward oh, to that. Oh, that's brilliant. Um, is there anything we didn't talk about you want to talk about? No, just when are we having dinner? I know. We're, we're literally, when we hit stop, we're putting it on the calendar. Um, I, and everyone knows this, but I love saying this to you every time I see you and, and behind your back all the time. You have been such a good pastor to me and to our city. I love you. And I'm just so thankful for the ways that you ask me in friendship and in your teaching that I listen to, to be really Annie, but to be really honest and to yeah. and to pursue holiness. Yes. You're not just okay with us being being kind. You asked me to be holy, and yeah. I am so thankful. You're so welcome. thank you. Um, okay, we'll do two more questions. Yes. What the listeners know now is that all year long, behind their backs, I've been asking our guest for a Christmas memory. So will you give us one favorite Christmas memory, and then we'll do— because what we've done is now we've peppered them all over these shows, these 12 right. shows. So every author, they've every musician, everybody they've heard all year, they're hearing Christmas stories from. But those of you who are in the 12 days, we don't have to be tricky with you. We can just say it in the show. Right. So tell us one of your favorite Christmas memories, and then I'll, we'll talk about what you do for fun. Okay. This one's really personal for me because as children, I went to a church that spoke against celebrating Christmas because they thought it was a pagan tradition. I bet they really hated Halloween. We don't do Halloween in Australia yeah. at all. So, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So that wasn't even a So even a thing. Christmas was Christmas pagan. Christmas wow. was pagan. And so our parents were taught by this leadership that you do not have a Christmas tree, you don't, don't exchange Christmas presents, you don't have Christmas. I mean, it was so detrimental to me that as a child I would make up stories that when I would go back to school people would say, what did you get for Christmas? And my parents would always buy us things anyway. So I would just say that whatever I got bought that week, that was my Christmas present and it wasn't. So I get to, and that sounds very sad, yeah. it's going to turn in a minute. Okay. Um, so by the age of 24, I started dating my husband and he invited me 
to Christmas Day. So now by this stage, my parents had turned the corner and, but we still hadn't got into the tradition. We never had a tree at home and yet we started buying presents, but it wasn't Mm -hmm. really Christmas tradition. So I'm 24 years of age and I go to my now boyfriend, I think uh, maybe we were engaged. I can't remember. Um, I'd have to do the math on that, but it was around that time. Oh, no, we were engaged. We were engaged because we got engaged December 1st. So December 25th, I go to their house for Christmas and I'm sitting at Christmas and I've only bought one present for Henry. I haven't thought about because, again, I'm not in this mode of Christmas celebrations. Right. I sit down. My my husband has three sisters, mum and dad and their spouses, and we sit around this beautiful living room and Henry's Santa... And everyone get and the, the the tree is littered with hundreds of presents, like hundreds. And I'd never seen anything like this. And so I'm sitting there very, very vulnerable and very broken because I'm ashamed that I I don't yeah. understand this. Yeah. And I get given my first present and it's from Henry and I open it and I'm really thankful he opens his from me and I think that's it. Well, Lo and behold, Henry's bought me about 10 <gasps> presents. Oh, my gosh. And not just little things, like right. really beautiful things. And I don't know what to do. That I get to about seven, number seven, and I just start bawling my oh, eyes out. No. I actually have to leave the room because I've never seen a love like this before. Yeah. I've never seen generosity bestowed on me. Yeah. It was my favourite Christmas memory, but it has never stopped And about two years ago, I said to Henry, Henry, this has got to stop. Stop buying me nine to ten presents. Mm. And he said this one thing that I will never forget. And he said, babe, the reason why I do it is because I'm making up for every single Christmas that you never got to open presents. Well, I just lose it. My kids are losing it. And so I think that still has to be my very, very favourite Christmas memory of Man. all time. I love your husband I know he's Gosh, so he's good so good and what a good <laughs> model of that the Lord restores the years yes. that the locusts have stolen yeah, I've preached a whole message on it nothing yeah. is wasted nothing's wasted that's so kind yeah Henry you went husband of the year over here at, <laughs> at this table you are our favorite husband um okay Alex the last question we always ask because the show is called that sounds fun tell me what yes. y'all are doing for fun these days Oh, my gosh. Please help me, Annie, because okay. this is why you have to come over because okay. I don't feel like we've done anything fun. You've had a lot going on. I've yeah, we can, fi- we can feel on. it in. So what would you like to do for fun? Oh, my gosh. I mean, you're putting up the tree tomorrow. I'm putting up the tree. Um, I need to come help you. You just need to come help. I need help. to come I help feel you. like we haven't really been doing a lot of fun things. Okay. Oh, but you know what? Yesterday I went and saw my beautiful daughter do a Midsummer Night's Dream. <gasps> Who was she? She was the queen. Of course. I can't I bet say her, her name. Whatever. She was the queen. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. She was gorgeous. She was eloquent. She was so fun. She's going to be doing it tonight at Franklin Classical School. So if you want to go, oh, it's too late now. It's yeah. 12 days of Christmas. Yep. Sorry. <laughs> Been and gone. Um, but she that was fun. That was a lot of fun last night. I'm so proud of her yeah. for doing that. That takes so much courage She's to be amazing. an actor, I think. Yeah. That's amazing. So that was fun. Okay, I'll help you with fun though. Okay. Yes, All right. please help me with fun. I love you. Thank you. I love you. Thanks Thank for you doing for this. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, everyone. (laughs) Oh, friends, don't you just love her? Every time she's here, I just feel like she gives us something that we need. It's like, she's like one of our little wise men. She drops off gold frankincense or myrrh. I just adore her. So, so grateful for Alex. Hey, make sure you grab a copy of The Opposite Life for yourself and the people you're buying Christmas gifts for. And give Alex a follow. Tell her thanks for being on the show and what today's conversation meant to you. If you need anything else from me, I'm embarrassingly easy to find. Annie F. Downs, as in The Opposite Life. There's an F in life. This is that's stretching it, but it's been a long year, you guys. Annie F Downs on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the places you may need me. That's how you can find me. Remember, we're starting 100 Days to Brave 2020 on January 1st. So you might want to go ahead and order your copy of 100 Days to Brave so you can join us if you want to do that the first 100 days of the new decade. I would love for you to be a part of that with us. As you will experience for the whole Christmas season, we've got some great stories from podcast guests throughout the year to share with you now. So go out and do something that sounds fun to you. I will do the same. And we will see you back here tomorrow with one of my very favorite women and probably my one of my top three favorite Canadians, Sarah Bessie. We'll see you all tomorrow.
Hey, this is Drew Hill, author of Alongside Loving Teenagers with the Gospel. And when I think back over Christmas, one of my favorite memories is my parents taking me to visit folks who were less fortunate than us and didn't have as much as us. And we were able to go and bless them and take food items and gifts to their homes. And a lot of them were folks that my parents had become friends with. And we didn't just celebrate Christmas with our own family in our house. We would go and take presents and celebrate Christmas with them. And I am was so formed by that. And I think the Lord has given me a desire to love, you know, those less fortunate than me now because of the way my parents raised me then. Hi, we are Jeremy and Audrey Roloff, authors of A Love Letter Life. Pursue creatively, date intentionally, and love faithfully. And Audrey's going to tell you a little Christmas story. So every Christmas, since our first Christmas, we take a picture with our Polaroid camera of us in front of our tree. And on it, we write the location of wherever we're living and the year. And we turn it into a Christmas ornament that we hang on the tree. So we just clip a little hole in the top and we hang it on the tree. And so we have five of them, little Polaroids, flapping around on the tree. And we've had Christmases in different locations most of the years of our marriage. And now we have a daughter, and so she's added into it in the past couple years. But just a fun way to remember visually that Mm -hmm. day and what it was like that year. And so that's been just something fun that we've done. Hey, I'm David Crowder, and my favorite Christmas memory is... uh, Actually, the year that the oyster dressing disappeared. There are two types of dressing that that are not labeled, and it's sort of like when the groundhog sees its shadow or not, mm-hmm. you know how the year is going to go, and uh, it's not labeled. So one dressing tastes like dressing, turkey mm-hmm. and dressing kind of dressing, like what you want. Right. The other one tastes like ocean in your mouth, <laughs> and it's not. And you're like, oh shoot, ocean this year's going to be a bad yeah. year. This is going to be a bad year, ocean year. So uh, anyway, one year it disappeared. And everyone went crazy. It turns out there's only one person eating oyster dressing. It was Uncle Jim. And Uncle Jim's the one that suggested it should go away because he felt bad. And (laughs) everyone else threw a protest to bring the oyster dressing back because tradition is strong in our family. And so anyway, it was the year that the the oyster dressing disappeared because it was quite dramatic. Okay. Who knew? 